1: Welcome to Sunday Civics, the home for the civically engaged. I am your host, your civics teacher and neighborhood political strategist, L. Joy Williams. And I'm so glad you made it to class this morning. We are in a season of change. The weather is getting better, thank God. And with this change, Sunday Civics has been bringing lessons to help us all better understand what's happening around us and also to think big and think boldly about everything um because as we said in the past episode we don't have to live like this we can reimagine how the our governance structure is how our daily lives are governed and i have a great guest to bring to the front of the class who's living and organizing boldly but before we bring him to the front of the class have you been following the news and seeing what's happening in florida First of all, if you have family, friends, cousins in them or even your kids, I don't care if they teenage kids, college kids or grown kids and they went down there, up there or live there and they out in the streets acting a fool, call them and tell them to carry their asses home or get in the damn house. You know, I get that we're all tired of being in the house of socially distanced and the mask and everything. And we all want to travel and do hood red things with our friends and have some fun. But that does not mean we go somewhere and start trashing places, skipping out on bills and fighting in the streets. Who raised y'all? Also, it's still a damn poo nanny outside. And it can't be that everybody that's out there is actually vaccinated. So... People's personal outrageous behavior aside that we're seeing in the news, it also does not excuse the trifling ass Florida governor who, against all guidance, has basically rolled out the red carpet for COVID to continue to spread. So my guest and I are certainly going to have words for him, but I just wanted to take a few moments to, you know, talk about people that are out in these streets acting crazy. And so don't come for me in the comments and talk about respectability politics and stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about. There is, if you know folks that's out there acting crazy, and also if you know your family and friends that are still hesitant about taking the vaccine, you know let's talk to them let's have conversations with them if you've taken the vaccine sharing your results sharing that yeah i had a little bit of a sore arm i didn't feel great the next day that was actually my experience the first shot i had a sore arm and i was fine the second shot you know, I had a, a little a little bit of side effects, meaning that I was tired, um, really tired the next day. My arm was really sore, but I would take that any day <laughs> over being in the hospital, being on a ventilator, or obviously dying. So I'm using my platform to talk to people very honestly about what I've experienced, that yes, there are some side effects and things like that, but they no way compare to what the alternative can be. And even though I am, after the 14 days will be considered vaccinated, I'm still going to follow guidance. I'm still not going to be out in these streets, you know, raising all kinds of craziness and not being masked, not doing distance, because I know that not everybody has been vaccinated, that there are still people contracting COVID. And, you know, it is, it, it, different people have different reactions to this. So we should also be mindful of that. Now, let's get to our guest. Since we are thinking boldly, we are bringing someone who not only thinks boldly, but is bold. He's the award-winning trial attorney, Sean Shaw, who lives in Tampa, Florida. And he's previously served as the state representative for District 61, which covers Tampa. He made history in 2018 as the Florida Democratic Party's first African-American nominee for attorney general. Sean's progressive Platform sought to expand rights for consumers, hold foster, fraudsters, corrupt politicians, and special interests accountable. He's an attorney in private practice where he fought for victims of the BP oil spill. Remember that? Ensuring families and businesses whose only fault was them living in a particular area, making sure that they got what they were owed. A couple of years ago, 2019, he founded People Over Profits, which is a nonprofit organization organization dedicated to standing against corporate influence and fighting for the rights of everyday people. I'm going to welcome to the show for the very first time, Sean Shaw. Good morning. And thank you so very much for joining us this Sunday morning and making yourself available and not being out, you know, on the water somewhere right now.
0: (laughs) I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: So, you know, it was a quite an introduction, and we're going to talk about a lot this morning. We're going to talk about Georgia. We're going to talk about your state, Florida, again. But we want to start where we always start with new guests because we believe in the power of storytelling by you sharing the story of your first civic action.
0: Right. My first civic action really wasn't too exciting, I don't think. It was me waving signs for a candidate in Tallahassee, Florida. I guess what's interesting is it was for a Republican that was running for state attorney way back in the day. And uh, it was someone who I thought would have been better than the longtime Democrat that was the state attorney. And so it was me kind of waving signs and being involved in that campaign. That was really my first action. But, you know, I'll go a step further. My involvement in politics, you know, predated that because, you know, my father was a, was the first African-American chief justice in the history of the state of Florida. And so I was certainly... Aware and involved with his uh, statewide races and and campaigning to keep his seat, so that's my first awareness, maybe, but the action was uh, waving those signs.
1: Well, you know, sign waving is definitely <laughs> civic action mm-hmm. and getting involved in a campaign. So we appreciate that. People, you know, quite often when we tell the stories, people are trying to remember something from their childhood or from things like that, you know, but it's, it's always good also to hear that, you know, people can have political engagement or civic engagement at different points of their lives and their career. And it doesn't matter when your engagement was, but just the fact that you were actually engaged and participating in the process. So, you know, since you're in Florida, Sean, I'm going to ask (laughs) I know you have been all over the place talking, you know, about how I have a whole moniker for your governor, trash ass governor. I hope you don't take offense to that. He is deserving of that and more. But, you know, with the vaccine rollout, with, you know, basically rolling out the red carpet. I know people are saying the phrase they're rolling out the red carpet for tourists and others, but I, I just consider it rolling out the red carpet for COVID, basically. And in the beginning, I talked about sort of what is happening now with people busting at the seams and coming uh, down to Florida, up to Florida, you know, out of their houses and acting a fool. But you've been talking about the missteps that this governor and that the state administration failed in terms of COVID. Talk a bit about that.
0: Well, if if you remember when we first started in the pandemic, um, different states and different governors were handling this different ways, um, and so New York was kind of in shutdown mode early. California, some other states while at the same time, Florida was open for business. And so I have friends who are around the country and it's amazing what their daily life consisted of and what they had the ability to, what they didn't have the ability to do, couldn't go to restaurants and bars and really nothing was open outside versus in Florida, there really wasn't anything you couldn't do. Uh, Restaurants were maybe at 50% capacity. Uh, That was the most inconvenience really that you had in your life. Florida was as open as open could be uh, relatively in that time. And if you look at a lot of the pictures, you could see our beaches uh, were open. And this was a year ago. This isn't spring break of this year. This was a year in the middle of the pandemic. Beaches were open. The governor refused to issue an order to close beaches. He said local communities could decide. Uh, We were the first to reopen bars and restaurants to full capacity. I mean, we, we shut down the least and opened the fastest and had bad COVID numbers as a result. Um, and our governor goes around and preens and does a victory lap uh, about that sort of response. And so that's, that's the state we live in, bizarro world. Uh, it doesn't help that the governors of California and New York now are experiencing other problems. So our governor gets to uh, point to them and say, look how good I am in comparison. Um, but our numbers in Florida weren't good, aren't good. You, I'm not. I don't have confidence that even the reporting is what it should be. There's indications that there's problems with the reporting of what's considered a death related to COVID. What's not? There's all kinds of things going on there. Uh, how um, you know if you are a rich developer, somehow your development community gets access to the vaccine quicker than others, uh, and then if we follow up, follow that up another step. 100000 to $200,000 may have been donated, not may have been, was donated to the governor's, you know, political action committee. Uh, and then a week later, a vaccine site magically appears within that rich developer's development. I mean, we got problems here. So we got to call it out. But the way Florida was so open so fast, um, I just, it wasn't, I think the numbers bear out that it wasn't the right thing to do. But the problem here is people, To your to your point, people are done with this. They're ready to, they're ready to, to be done with it. That doesn't mean that we should be though. Just because I'm ready to do whatever I wanna do doesn't mean that our political leaders ought to take that position. Sometimes being a leader is telling people, look, we're not over this thing. We gotta wait till we get enough shots in people's arms before we open wide up. And our our governor uh, is just so combative, uh, so defensive to any media or any kind of criticism it's just he's he's he is the Trumpiest governor in America. I mean, Donald Trump well, lives in Florida. And so you, you can imagine right. how he how he acts.
1: Well, you know, just before we go to break, I want to talk a bit more to that because I want to talk to you about so much more <laughs> than, you know, it, than than this. You talk about the misreporting whether it's numbers, whether it's the vaccine rollout. And I know here in New York, we've been highlighting, despite what is being reported as our governor, quote, handling the pandemic, you know, wonderfully, there have been disparities in terms of testing. We're in the testing phase as it pertains to communities of color that were hit the hardest, particularly here in Brooklyn, where I live and organize and work. And now the same thing with vaccine, although they've gotten a bit better because we were calling out the disparity um that existed what you know it was there any benefit in them saying well we didn't completely shut down do you have a uh, greater economic success or you know do you have less people dying do you have like do the numbers even support these claims as to the reason why they kept so
0: open i i I got to be with you when you're right. And so I believe some of the economic indicators do suggest that it was good to reopen the state and uh, reopen the economy as quick as we did. But the uh, health numbers do not bear that out. We were we were uh, one of the leaders in terms of uh, reported deaths and reported infections at one point because we so, we were so wide open. And so that I think the health numbers would tell you that we shouldn't have done that. The the economic t- numbers tell you we should have. You tell me which one you think is more important. Uh, exactly. so when you're making a decision between, do you want, this bar is going to close if I don't reopen the state in a week. A thousand people a day are going to die if I open this, if I allow this bar to open. I know which one I think is more important. And I also know which one our governor thinks is more important because he reopened the state So quickly.
1: And I think that's the, you know, in, in a few weeks, I'm not even going to say a few months, in a few weeks, you'll be, begin to see this conversation on who made the right decision. Here in New York, people are already starting to, I, did, I know the media is starting to write about that. Did we shut down too much? You know, did we, you know, do all that we could? And hindsight is always 2020, right? You have more information now than you did in the time where you were seeing, you know, people die in their homes and not be able to get to their body for a couple of days and, you know, trucks lined up and things of that nature. Right. And so in the middle of that crisis, you know, you have to believe that people made the best decision as possible if your priority
0: was preserving lives. Did you all have a mask mandate in New York?
1: We did have a mask mandate. Guess what? And I know
0: you did not. We didn't even have a mask mandate. You didn't even have to like. The mask wearing in Florida was if a business said you need to wear a mask to come in, that was the most that happened. We did not have a statewide mask mandate. And I think that is a great representation of how trash we are uh, and how we (laughs) handle this. You wouldn't even mandate wearing a mask.
1: Again, priority in terms of profits over people, which I know that we're going to talk about when we come on the other side of the break. You you see, you like that there? I, I I like that. I like that. So we're going to take a quick break and then when we'll come back, we'll continue our conversation uh, with Sean Shaw. We'll be right back.
0: Who is the t Shaw? I will let you know.
1: Welcome back to Sunday Civics. I'm Eljoy Williams, your civics teacher. And with me is Sean Shaw. In this conversation, he founded an organization, People Over Profits, a couple of years ago. It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to standing against corporate influence and fighting for the rights of everyday people. Sean, thank you so very much again for joining us. Now, you created the organization, but a couple of years before that, or I think a year before that, you also ran for uh, attorney general in Florida. And not only did you make history, but there, you had a pretty progressive platform. I want you, as I try to, you know, for our audience, define progressive, because as you know, it's used in very different terms, depending on who it is that is saying that, and particularly as it pertains to black folks, right, who have been progressive before a moniker of progressivism. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to get this deep. I hear. Oh, you. oh, oh I we gonna get deep. So I want you to talk about a bit about from your perspective in Florida, what does progressive mean to black folks in Florida? And then in, in, Leaning towards not only your race, but then in creating the organization, what, in your view, is the is the fight now?
0: I mean, I, that's a really good question. Uh, to, to, certainly, the African American community here in Florida, you know, one of the one of the things that was important, not just because. Uh, It was important to black people because it's important for second chances period was our felon restoration rights amendment that we did in 2018, which was the same year that I ran for attorney general. It was an amendment to our Constitution that should have automatically restored the rights of our returning brothers and sisters uh, for most felonies uh, in Florida. The legislature messed up the implementation of it, but that that passed by 60 plus percent of the vote here in Florida. But in that same election year, Ron DeSantis came out against that amendment. He won the governor's race. The person I ran against for attorney general came out against that amendment. She beat me. Uh, The two other, you know, the one other person that ran statewide that was a Republican came out against the amendment and still beat their Democratic opponent. So that tells you here in Florida, we got a funny Democratic branding problem because 60 plus percent of the people are willing to vote for something that automatically restores the voting rights of felons. Uh, But those same people will vote for Republicans who have publicly come out against that amendment. That ought to make you think about the democratic brand here in Florida, but you know, the Florida progressive kind of banner under that banner and environmental issues because of Florida. And that's one of the biggest treasures we have. um, It is certainly uh, that amendment. It is minimum wage. uh, It is, it is those sorts of things. Um, But I, I, of hesitate sometimes because i'm starting to hear the term progressive be used interchangeably with democrat and i'm concerned about that uh and because i think you may agree with me the word progressive sometimes black people have a little cringe when they hear that um and i I just want to make sure that we're not we don't use that term interchangeably all the time there's a time to use it and there's a time not to use it but democrat and progressive i don't think always mean the same thing Uh, they may mean the same thing in California, for example. They may mean the same thing in a state that's got a different brand of Democrat. But in Florida, you know, we are in the South. We're one of those states, the more North you go, the more South you get. And so I think here in Florida, we need to make sure that, you know, for example, you know, the defund the police movement was used in a way and socialism in a way that killed a lot of Florida Democrats uh, up and down the ballot um, because of, you know, some of the, Even uh, our Hispanic and Latino brothers and sisters do not respond well to the socialism thing at all here in Florida for demographic reasons, where they came from, Venezuela, Cuba, those sorts of things. And so we have a special brand of democratic politics and progressive politics here that's a little different from the rest of the country.
1: You know, I want to I want to stay there for a minute in terms of and and just to be clear, uh, I want to talk about black folks. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, talking about black folks in Florida and when we're talking about Florida and progressive politics or democratic politics and you're right, not interchangeable, putting into that context that Florida is different. Right. And I I, I would imagine similar to here in New York, people always think of New York as just New York City, but we're an entire state mm-hmm. that has people at on different spectrum particularly black folks you have some who lean conservative and some who would be ultra you know progressive in the larger sense of the word talk to us a, a bit more about that dichotomy as you mentioned that you can go to the booth and yes want to enfranchise those who were formerly incarcerated but still vote republican <laughs> you know <laughs> right. or vote or is right. it the numbers, right? Like that the numbers and the gerrymandering that may exist in the state sort of impact the ability to sort of make more of that change?
0: Well, the gerrymandering didn't, doesn't impact the statewide races, right? Like the gerrymandering impacts the individual congressional and House and Senate. And okay, I get that. But gerrymandering doesn't have nothing to have to do with Andrew Gillum running for governor or me running for attorney general. That's statewide. So that's everybody. And mm-hmm. so there are a lot of people who voted for Fell in restoration and didn't vote for me and Andrew uh, right down the ballot. So obviously there's a race component there. I mean, let's just talk about it. There is a race component. Um, but I I believe there's also a messaging branding issue that affects us with black folks, white folks, Latino, everybody. What what is the why are you voting for Democrats in Florida? What are we gonna do for you? What what have we shown you that would make you wanna vote for us and give us the keys to the kingdom? Um, I don't think we've done a good job of telling Black folks, you know, Democrats are for XYZ. Democrats have been with you since this time, this issue, and we're with you here. And if you give us the keys to the kingdom, we're going to do this for you. And we've shown you that we're going to do this for you. Look at these examples. This is what we're about. I don't think we've done a good job of that in Florida and maybe in other places too. But let me talk about Florida because I know that. I don't think we've done a good job of that in Florida. And so, If people don't have that kind of confidence in you, they're not going to they're not going to go with you. So they will vote on certain discrete issues. I believe in minimum wage. I believe in restoring felon rights. I believe in the environment. I don't believe that I'm going to vote for a Democrat to be governor of the state of Florida. I don't believe I'm gonna vote for a Democrat to be attorney general of the state of Florida because I'm not quite with it. You know, the Democrats are a lot of, you know, pro-abortion, socialist, defund the police type people. I'm not with that. But I do believe in these certain issues, and it's that it's that rub right there that I, we've got to get our hands around. And there's a, you know there's a, tons of groups and tons of talking going on around that because you know minimum wage, uh, we uh, you know allow we legalize medicinal cannabis, restoring the rights of felons, uh, environmental amendments. We'll will pass a lot of progressive statewide issues with sixty plus percent. That's what's required to get on the constitution in Florida. So. 60 plus, I think 65% of people voted for felon restoration. And those of us that publicly came out in favor of it all lost statewide because we're Democrats. So that is a, I wish I had a better answer, but at least we've identified that that is the problem, the Democratic brand here in Florida. If you don't have a strong brand and if you don't have something to offer to the people and tell them why to do it, then you're going to be stuck just reacting to what they thrust upon you. And what they've thrust upon us here in Florida is the socialism, defund the police uh, type moniker. And we've been not good enough in our ability to push back on it.
1: So I wonder if because, you know, you're right. And it's not just in Florida that you're experiencing that. Right. There are different places across the country, even here in New York City, as we're going through a municipal election, there is this tension of, you know, people who will take on the moniker, not only of uh, progressivism, but even in the Democratic Party. Right. Like it's an eight to one city of, you know, a Democrat. So the election really is the primary and people are less in thinking of themselves as I am a Democrat, you know, and sort of voting there, they're voting, like you, you mentioned on issues on, you know, who aligns with whatever identity, political identity at this point. I wonder if it, we fight, we've reached a point where we can break away from the party structure and just talk about black first. (laughs) like if we talk about okay this is the black agenda no matter what party and this is how we're going to exert our political power and whatever party structure based upon the state based upon the election or what have you but these are our issues that we're moving forward and that's you know that's going to be interesting to see and moving on as we're I I wish we
0: did a better job of that we don't black folks we do not do a good job of that at all you know I'll tell you we let them come into churches. I'm talking about Democrats and Republicans now. I'm just talking, right. we're talking about Black folks. Come into the churches, come to the cookout, uh, come to the Black college uh, reunion, whatever we have at the park on Sundays. And we let them all into the into the stuff. Then when it comes time after the election, Black folks quiet as church mouses, or we yell the most at those that look like us. Yeah. You should have done something. Don't look like yes. us. We quiet and don't say nothing, and the black folks that we elected to represent us are oh, we on them. Uh, and we and and I'm all for holding politicians, you know accountable, but all of them. we got to hold everybody accountable in the same way. and I, I just I have noticed particularly as someone who was elected, black folks tend to be much harder on us than we are on everybody else. and we got to do better one there and two to what you're talking about. We need to just demand, you know when and this isn't hard when you're running for office, you tell people you're going to do certain things. When you get elected, you try to do them. That's politics at its heart, or it should be. And we need to be, if our demands aren't, first of all, we have to make demands. If our demands aren't met, then we need to exert some electoral uh, power. And we just, we don't do a good job of that. And we are the people that need to do the best job of that because of our needs and our discrete issues. And it just pains me when I go to the barbershop and, and people like, oh, you know, every, politics is just trash and black folks been getting killed no matter who was in charge, Republicans and Democrats. Man, all oh, y'all don't want nothing to do with nothing. And that is, I, I understand that. I understand that right. reaction because it's visceral and I get it, but it's exactly the wrong reaction because marches ain't going to fix George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Candlelight vigils aren't going to do it. You have to match that activism with political action we can't just have the protests we got to have those but the next step is to elect people that are going to do different things or unelect people that are doing the wrong things it has to be matched with political something we can't just have the t-shirts and the visuals we got to have both and sometimes i don't think we match the both things and so you know you change state attorneys you change prosecutors, you change attorney generals. When I ran for attorney general, there were two black people or a few black people, but two, I remember, um, Tish in New York and uh, in Minnesota, our buddy, um, I forget the guy's name, but he was the attorney general when George Floyd's case was up to be. And guess what? Though They were prosecuted. In Kentucky, where the guy who's married to the granddaughter of uh, Mitch McConnell is attorney general, Guess who wasn't prosecuted? Breonna Taylor's killers. It matters who we put in these offices, and it matters that we match our activism within the political uh, action, too.
1: You know, connected to that, and, you know, you're right, there is this conversation at the one hand, those of us who are active and politically engaged sometimes have that, well, a lot of time have that frustration where people... You know, are responding to your attempts to engage to exert power as oh, I don't want nothing to do with it, everybody's all the same. And internally you're like, it's not the same. I know I know just like, or I'm coming to you saying this is what we need to do next, right? Like I'm telling you, and so just even you know, just this past week in terms of what happened in Georgia, I was telling a friend of mine, I was like, I actually haven't tweeted about it, haven't talked about it, because I remember during the presidential election and I said watch what's going to happen is in the states the white lash always happens like America can't help but repeat it's like it's Racist pass and bigoted pass, right? What's going to happen as soon as uh, this election is over? There is going to be an overabundance in the states to restrict access to the ballot and do all these changes or whatever. And so, my first reaction when I see what happens in Georgia was like, "Well, that's America being America. Like this is what like what happens." When we are not, you know, engaged on a local level, when we are not doing this, whatever. And so I understand people's frustration, that they seem that they you know, are moving forward, and then here comes the white lash to sort of strip everything away. But it's also more of an example as to the reason why we have to be ever vigilant. You know, I, you know, I told you know the same friend, I was like, look, Governance requires your hands to be on 10 and two at all times, because as soon as you take your hands off the wheel, somebody else takes control.
0: <laughs> so like, you have you're to not be, right. If you're not voting, guess who is the people you saw on TV up in the Capitol on January 6th?
1: If you are not in regular communication and telling your elected officials or participating in the things to say what you need and what you want, guess who they're listening to? If you are not providing the backup, to the elected officials that you sent there. You can't send somebody there by themselves. If you're in a battle, you can't just send the general on the battlefield by themselves and expect them to win the war. You know, you have to provide the troops, the backup in order for them to do the work that they need to do. And quite often, and this is not just black folks that do this, right, It's you know, in it general, is that we send people off by themselves and sort of not continue the participation and engagement and that's how these folks that don't have more power, don't have more people. I mean, sorry, don't have more people. They just have more power because you know they're in that position, and people are not paying t- uh, attention and engaged. And you know that's what that's what we have to do is just Republicans what are just better at building than us.
0: That that's the ex- I mean, they just. That's why they have the power they do. It's not, you're right. It ain't because of demographics. It ain't because of numbers. And we, in every category, there's more Democrats than Republicans, but they just vote better than us.
1: Yep. So when we come back, I want to talk more about people over profits. My team is yelling at me to take this break when we come back. I want to talk about more of what you're doing there and what else we can do in expanding enfranchisement and gaining more political power. We'll be right back. How can it be that you love the most? Welcome back. We're with Sean Shaw, the founder of People Over Profits. And in People Over Profits, Sean, you said the mission is to put people first. The organization has done a number of amendment ballot initiatives, I think, in terms of Amendment 3, open primaries for state offices. Tell me what else the organization is working
0: well, on. Well, we, I, I want to be clear for Black people to yell at me. We worked against that, right? Because I, I oh, thought okay. was- Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you ain't going to have my comments jump in because, <laughs> but we worked against that because it was a jungle primary system that they wanted to do here in Florida. And I thought that was awful For Black folks and for progressives, and so we were kind of the organizing uh, entity against it, and we beat it, and so it it uh, it was defeated here in Florida. But I started this organization right after my attorney general's race because I wanted a vehicle to do things that I wanted to do. You know, when I wasn't elected anymore, so I get to take on causes that were important to me, and that's obviously causes. Uh, for Black folks, that has caused this for Democrats, that's caused this for everyday Floridians against big corporate influence. And so ballot initiatives, what we're going to do in 2022 uh, here, which I think is going to be to your question before the break, is it's going to be dedicated to kind of voter enfranchisement, voter access issues, whether that is automatic voter registration, whether that is uh, fixing the restoration of felon rights amendment that we tried to do last time, but the courts and the legislature messed it up. We are going to try to get some of those things on the ballot uh, and push those in 2022. It's enormously expensive to do anything in Florida. So we got to make sure that we have the resources to do it, but we're in the planning stages of doing those sorts of things. And uh, in Georgia, Stacey Abrams, of course, was an inspiration to a lot of us because it's it's obviously look, I'm a politician. I'm going to run for office at some point, but right now, I believe we need to plant some crops before we can uh, start uh, eating the fruits of them, right? And so I'm going to try to spend 2022, at least in my time, planting some of these crops for future, uh, for future success in Florida. So expanding the electorate, making it easier for people to vote, uh, fixing some of the things that went wrong in the felon restoration uh, amendment stuff are some of the things that we're going to be involved in in 2022 for certain. And so uh, I'm excited about it.
1: Well, one of the other things, and I slightly mentioned this previously about redistricting and about gerrymandered districts, yeah, gerrymandered districts in Florida. So I want to spend a couple of times talking about Florida and y'all districts.
0: (laughs) I had one. Um, I, I, uh, I, I represented, so I was in the state legislature, I was in the state house, and essentially I represented all the black folks in Tampa. That was the, and all the black folks in Tampa don't live everywhere. So it was drawn in this really weird little shape and uh, when you looked what so what that meant was there were about eight state house members who represented this area. So if I had all the black people, which are and it was an eighty nine percent democratic seat, and if my other Democratic colleague had all the Democrats who weren't black, so that's two Democrats out of the eight. But because all the Democrats were in our districts, all the other people were Republicans when we should have had six of the eight should be Democrats, they packed all the Democrats into two until the rest of the people are Republicans. And they had, you know, 51, 49% Democrat-Republican districts. That's how gerrymandering works. I mean, it was we saw it firsthand. I had all the Democrats, she had all the Democrats, everyone else is Republican. And you look around and you're like, how are these Republicans getting elected in these areas? It's because they pack all everyone into areas uh, like that. And so Florida, it's, it's one of the reasons that we have a split we have about a 50-50 registration Democrat-Republican, uh, but our legislature is extremely Republican. Senate, House, uh, we have one cabinet statewide elected official. Everyone else is a Republican. So we're we're much more Republican in terms of elected office than we are in terms of electorate. But uh, welcome to Florida.
1: Yeah. Well, now, um, during the redistricting process, although it's delayed, our Republicans are in charge in the legislature. And You're- the courts.
0: They've been in charge long enough now that the courts are pretty well packed with their folks. And so what last time we had redistricting the Supreme Court of Florida at the time was at least uh, somewhat fair and struck down a lot of the maps that the Republicans tried to push. And so we were successful in somewhat mitigating the worst. There's now the prevailing thought that we don't have the same Supreme Court. And so when those nasty maps come, that... uh, we're not going to be in a position to fight legally as we were last time. Mm.
1: Okay. I, See, I, You, is... you
0: asked you, you want all the, <laughs> this is Florida.
1: <laughs> so Florida again, after yeah. <laughs> like a- a- afterwards uh, we'll be in the same thing. So moving from redistricting back to what you're talking about, the voting rights piece, we saw what happened in Georgia in this very swift, White lash of changing voting in Georgia that most believe will significantly impact communities of color. But I, you know, I, as I try to remind people, have y'all met Stacey Abrams? <laughs> so, like, yes, it was designed to do one thing. But you know, <clears throat> have you I met I, I, Um listen, I, I don't. She's listen, so
0: inspirational. I, she took first of all. She's been doing this for ten years. We we like she's been working and toiling in the for a long time, and we need to understand that and give her credit not only for what uh, the war knock and off election looked like at the end, but the ten years before that. But to take you know the governor's race was taken from her, and for her to kind of uh, react as she did and and do the things she did and be where she is, it's just it is it is inspirational to us. And perhaps one day Florida will be there, but uh, we're working on it.
1: Well, between Stacy and say as well, and as you say, Reverend Warnock, in saying that, okay, we know these, you know, laws were designed and particularly targeted communities of color to beat back this coalition of voters that we're building, but it's they are building, right? And so, yes, this is a setback. Yes, people are going to challenge it in the courts. Yes, we are pushing for Congress to actually pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. That would make some of those issues challengeable. But at the same time, it is setting this movement up to push further.
0: I think that there's going to be a a reaction, maybe a backlash, to that, um, to what, because the scene of that sister getting arrested, knocking on the governor's door, Mm -hmm. I could imagine that playing in a video with some slow music behind it and (laughs) and a really nice ad getting black folks mad as hell. Uh, because when I saw that video, I was furious. It 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 bu- it bubbled up some things in me that I didn't know were were there. I, I had a visceral reaction to it, and I can imagine in two years, uh, us showing that video and 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 people getting so mad at it that to your point, that we uh, we rise up and do even more than what they're trying to restrict us from doing. I could see that.
1: And the messaging of you know that the you know preventing. People, seniors, from getting water and a chain—you know, tri- like all of that messaging—is just a setup. And the reason why I say that is because, yes, we have a visceral, angry reaction, and the normal thing would be, you know, excusable is like, okay, I give up. You know, like they're just going right. to continue to disenfranchise. Instead, you know, I think to use this more as a moment to say, see what happens when we build power.
0: This you, is you what just ha- like, you just elected a black see man that. to the U.S. Senate. Look what they're doing. Look, right. look, look what they're doing because you elected that black man to the U.S. Senate. I, I'm telling you, I have a feeling that it's going to have the opposite reaction that they think. I agree with you.
1: Yeah. And so I think for us to continue to use that as the moment to say when we build power, there is this white lash. We can push further. Right. Like it's an opportunity for us to continue to put forward. which is why I have a little bit of hope for Florida in my heart,
0: in my heart. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to deflate you this Sunday. More. I'm, I, listen, it's Sunday. It is Sunday. And so we need to be hopeful. We need to be, we need to have faith. Uh, we need to make sure that uh, we rise early and, and do well. And uh, I, listen, I'm with you. I wouldn't still be doing this work and toiling and, and doing these things if I didn't believe that in my heart too. Uh, you know, I in political years, I'm very old. Uh, maybe not in real years. I'm not as old as I am politically, but uh, a lot of us have been doing this work in Florida. It's hard being a Florida Democrat. Um, but I believe at some point we're going to get there. I just you know, I like like I said, I'm working on some of these build uh, planning the crop type ideas. And that is, mm-hmm. you know, these voter enfranchisement uh, messaging, because I think a lot of this, as I've talked about in the other segments, I think we don't have a good message. As a Florida Democrat, I couldn't tell you right now what it means to be a Florida Democrat. Um, i can tell you may- maybe what it means to be a Democrat, but a Florida Democrat, we need to get our hands around that. What what voter is willing to, What you know, when are they willing to embrace us? And so I, I think we've got to do some messaging work, some voter enfranchisement work. And that's that's kind of what I'm going to try to work on these days. And and it's uh, it's hard and it's not. Sometimes it's not sexy, but those are the things that, in ten years, result in Senator Warnock. Those are it's those types of efforts, and we need to do those, and and uh, we're going to work on it.
1: So, just uh, we have a few more minutes, and I want to talk a, a a bit more about your expansive resume because you're also an attorney, mm-hmm. i.e., running for attorney general, um, and sort of representing people and communities, fighting back on greater corporate greed, among other things. I remember the BP oil spill, right? And I remember covering and talking about it. This is in the early days of my podcasting career. And I remember covering it extensively and the failures, you know, from the company, the failures from government and others. Talk to us a bit about this struggle quite often right now when we're talking about the fight against corporations, it's about like their dark money and politics. But there's also the fight that you have in communities, right? Whether it's fighting against them for taking over property, fighting against them for environmental disasters or pushing for it. There's also that fight against corporations that doesn't get a lot of big headlines until a big disaster happens.
0: You're, 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 I, I love the show. You're Exactly correct. <laughs> it, it's my belief that it doesn't resonate with the average person. This dark money, big corporate influence deal—it resonates with us because we're political nerds and we know how much money and power they exert through the lobbying process and those sorts of things. But the average person, I don't think it doesn't resonate them. What does resonate with them is that there's oil on my property in Panama City, or my insurance rates are quadruple what they are in another state, or. You know, things, things like that, or, you know, there's been pollution, and so I can't do, you know, I own a tourist business, and because there's been so much pollution, I'm losing my business, Well, nobody will come. Those sorts of the corporate mistakes and the corporate malfeasance that results in individuals having issues are where I think the ability to, to have power and to push back on corporations exists. Republicans in Florida aren't going to do a damn thing to hold corporations responsible for nothing until oil washes up on the beaches and citizens and fishermen and the tourist industry and everything is affected. Now, Republicans got a problem. I've never seen, you know, we had an attorney general that's, you know, that sued BP. She didn't want to, but she was forced to almost because of the public uprising against BP because of the oil spill. Didn't have to do with dark pack money and these kind of big picture ideas that had to do with there was oil on the beaches of Florida Everybody was pissed about it. Go do something. And those are the we we got to take exa- take those opportunities when we can, and and use them to not only make sure that people understand that the BP oil spill is a direct result of the lack of regulatory uh, authority being adequately put over big corporations. One, but two, uh, we need to make sure people understand. You know who why these things happen and and how to hold them accountable and what your politician's been doing the whole time. If your politician is ranting and raving about the BP oil spill, and they've been taking BP oil money for the last 10 years, I think if you can connect those things, then maybe people will pay attention then. But when you just say, look, this person takes BP oil money, I'm not sure people care about that too much. When you connect the two, the oil on the beaches to the people been funding these politicians, then maybe that's a way to connect those two issues. But Uh, You're exactly right. When people have the personal problems or the personal uh, wrongs that start to hit them uh, from these corporations, that's when it matters. It does not matter when we think it matters, which are these large, larger issues. I've just come to find out that people kind of they don't care and they're going on with their day and those other things. But you can't go on with your day when the condo you live in in North Florida or in the Florida Keys or in Miami has oil around it and you can't Airbnb and rent your place out, or you can't, you're a fisherman, you can't go out and fish, or you've been trying to get money from BP and they won't give it to you unless they get, unless you give them a stack of receipts and you're a one man fishing boat and you don't have it. What are you supposed to do? Uh, that's when um, even Republicans were up at arms and, you know, there's something there.
1: You know, whew, there's a couple of things I want to talk about in there. So one, as you mentioned, making the connection, and, and this goes back to our early conversation, the national conversation of what progressive is includes getting big money out of politics, right? And as you mentioned to individuals, they're like, esoterically, yes, you know, right. but what, like how it impacts, right? Like every, all the politicians take money from
0: corporations. So like,
1: what does it, you know, like, what does it matter?
0: But well, when but you go- So forward, do state parties. Right. And so listen, when you get big money out of politics, come to me and I'll stop taking big money. But until then, I gotta take it because the Republican I'm running against has taken it. Like we you can't I don't like the unilateral disarmament right. of In the folks. pledge
1: and the you know and the yeah, thing. Yeah, like and
0: they're I not think doing what it.
1: people people make the connection. And I, you know, I ran a race recently for a congressional member where, you know, I tell people like you should make a declarative statement based upon your district who you don't take money from, right? Like, you know, fr- from there. But also to prove to your constituents and to your district, just because I got money from this institution, that didn't stop me from making sure there were still regulatory, you know, okay. issues. It didn't stop me from, you know, representing you versus representing them, right? Like there's this balance that you have to play rather than this straight, you know, money across the board. Money
0: doesn't mean that, they they influence me, and so if I don't take this money, I'm really then I'm not taking this money because they don't want it to influence in me. All this other money I'm taking, I'm kind of admitting that it might. No, I'm not. There's some money you don't take. I don't take private prison money because that's just that is, And there's certain other money you don't take. But in my opinion, I am very much where you are. I, listen, money does not affect how I vote. Look at my voting record. But I got to run a race, and we, the state party got to hire people in the communities, and they got to hire people to register voters. And you know it's a it's a it's 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 a conflict how how we're going to fund these things but getting big money out of politics is something I truly believe in but we're not there yet and until we get there and how do
1: you do the balance and how do you set the standard with your constituents and others because your constituents in your district may say well this industry is a bad actor in our community. Right. That's a difference in saying I'm not taking money from this bad actor in our community, you know, who we know consistently and historically has been bad. We know what taking their money indicates and things like that versus a wholesale, you know, across the board. The other piece I wanted to mention is you talk about corporate or special interests and sort of how it impacts people where they live, like, you know, that fisherman and this particular company right, this particular corporate interest, you know, spilling oil in where I work, affecting my business, affecting my home, affecting, you know, an industry. And that can feel like a big thing to fight against you as an individual, what actions would you, because, you know, this is class, right? So what actions would you suggest, whether they are small fishermen in Florida, whether because this is a national show, right? Whether they're in Georgia, whether, you know, they're in Mississippi, and there is this corporate entity that is a bad actor in my community that is causing these problems, that is causing What do you suggest they do?
0: Well, there's nothing politicians are more sensitive to than people yelling at them saying, I'm going to see you next election cycle. So, for example, you use the fishermen as an example. If you organize around issues rather than partisan stuff, it, it, is, it, is, it is an effective way to get the attention no matter who it is. So if all the fishermen or the leaders of the fishermen go to, some, go to a congressman's office and they say, look, this corporation is polluting the water. I can't get oysters. I can't get grouper. I can't catch fish. I can't do anything in these waters. We're mad about it. Fix it. I guarantee you, you're going to get a response. Now, if you do that in a partisan way, you you might be less apt to get a response. But if all the fishermen get together and say, as an industry, we got a problem here and we want you to fix it, Congressperson, state house person, state Senate person, mayor, senator, whatever, that is effective. Uh, It is effective when your politicians know that an issue is... Uh, causing some angst in their district. I was a state house person and there were things that I thought were controversial, but if if I didn't get a lot of calls about it, or if I didn't get a bunch of emails, or if I didn't have preachers from my district calling me about it, then I realized, well, this isn't a big deal in my district. But then there were issues that I did not think were a big deal and I would be getting lit up on social media and on a text message and on phone calls, and I realized, well, this is something I really need to pay attention to because it matters back home. You got to light them up, you got to let them know how important it is. And you go to them as an industry and say, you know, we got a problem here. I guarantee you, you will get some attention. Once it bubbles up in that way, it gets attention. And I know it sounds corny and hokey, but it's absolutely true. Politicians are about getting reelected for the most part. And so, uh, you know, going to them as a group on an issue. Uh, is something that they're going to take very seriously.
1: Well, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm glad that you love the show. I'm going to clip that, you saying.
0: Yes, (laughs) yes, 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 you are. I I will sign whatever waiver you want. Yes, (laughs) ma'am.
1: Thank you so much for spending time with us. And you are welcome to come back anytime and discuss more. And I promise it won't be just
0: because Florida is messing up again. <laughs> Listen, I've already come to terms with Florida and what we are. So I know when I come on these shows and people say, let's talk about Florida. I know what that means. So I'm I'm happy to do it. But we're going we, to your point. We're going to get better. We're working at it. And we're going one step at a time.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful Sunday.
0: Thank you. You
1: too. We'll be back next Sunday with more Sunday civics. Thanks
0: for listening.